0: I was looking down, I had to look up, was, is that really gay? That's a, I'm, a, I'm a little upset with you, man. You've got to sing more often. That's, that's just not even fair. But uh, <laughs> if you would, take your Bibles and open with me to Luke, Luke chapter 1. Uh, as we continue walking through this time of the year where we, j- we j- really just take a break and we, we talk through what it looks like for God to become a man. For our great creator of the universe to wrap himself in human flesh. Luke chapter 1, uh, as, as we look at things really from, from Mary's point of view this morning, we're, we're going we're to look and see the ways that, uh, that God reminds us, that Christmas reminds us uh, of what he has done and what he's doing, what he's going to do. And so Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning. I tell you, I feel like I'm at the house in this endless loop of Christmas shows. Even though we only watch them like once a, once a week, it feels like every night. I don't know why, but but last night we were we were watching how the Grinch stole Christmas, like the new one with Jim Carrey in it, where he's kind of this freaky green thing. Y'all seen that one? He's he's a little weird, right? But <laughs> as I was watching it, I was trying to figure out what the, the message is in the, in the movie, because you know how Christmas movies are. They're all trying to teach you something. Last week we watched Charlie Brown, my favorite. Crystal and the kids like the Grinch one because they're not as spiritual as me, right? Charlie Brown's more Christian. But, but uh, the, the, the Grinch one, it, I mean, it has an agenda, right? I mean, it's trying to teach us that Christmas isn't all about gifts and all that, but it, they don't really have anything else to offer other than just be nice to each other, which is great. Which is wonderful, and, and I'm sure there's some sort of liberal Hollywood agenda in there somewhere where they're trying to... I'm, I'm just kidding. I, anyway, I preach to my wife sometimes about that kind of stuff, and I can't help myself. But, but I, I just I wonder why, as I was watching How the Grinch Stole Christmas, I was wondering why every time you watch a Christmas show, it's like they want to remind you of something. It's like they want to point you back in another direction and say, no, Christmas is not about this. This is what it's about. And they're always fighting against materialism. They're always fighting against people who think that Christmas is all about presents and gifts and and all of those things. And and as I was watching it, I was thinking, aren't you the ones who created this environment where everybody seems to think Christmas is all about stuff? Uh, And as I was thinking about this morning and thinking about what what God speaks to us in His Word, I realized that our culture really wants to hijack this time of the year where we spend... I mean, guys, the church has spent a long time, if you look historically, the church took the last part of the year to, to really talk about the fact that God took on flesh. Like before Christmas presents or any of that, the church would spend time talking about this. And, and I realized the people around us, not the people, but the culture around us wants to take away the reminders that God has put very clearly in His Word for us in Christmas. And so I want to give you three reminders this morning. And you'll see what I'm talking about here in a minute. First, The, the first reminder is this. Nothing's too hard for God. Or nothing's too hard with God. Second reminder is this. Uh, we are not alone. So as we walk with God, we are never alone. Third reminder is that we are loved. Christmas reminds us that there's nothing too hard with God. That we are never alone and that we are loved. And we're going to see this as we look at Mary's story, as we look at what happened to her when the angel Gabriel visited. And so, Luke chapter one, beginning in verse twenty-six, it's a lot of verses to get through, I know, but we got time. Don't worry. But uh, we're we're going to get through here. But Luke twenty-six, we're going to look at verses one through thirty-seven to begin this morning. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee called named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the same and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And you can't blame her for being afraid, right? If an angel shows up and starts talking, I'm going to be like, what do you want? And so anyway, she said, he says, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Verse 31 says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Father, I pray that you would impress upon us the reminders that you've given us in your Word. God, that you would just remind us this morning of the Gospel, that you would remind us this morning of all that you've done for us in Christ. God, that we would see past all the things that the the world wants to put on us, that we would see past all of the false things they want to lie to us about. And God, that we would see Your truth in Your Word. God, I pray that in the story of Christmas, God, as we look at Mary this morning, we would see Your amazing love, Your grace, Your power, Your strength, uh, and the resources You've given us to serve You. Help us to follow you this morning. God, help me to preach your word. Help me to, to unpack your word so that we can understand it, so that we can respond to you, and give us the power to do just that. Help us now, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, so the, the angel shows up, and, and he says, Mary, you're going to have a son. You're going to... Uh, have a baby. And this baby, by the way, is not just any baby. Uh, this baby is going to be called the son of the most high. He's going to be the one to finally fulfill the promise that God gave to David all those years ago that um, he would have a, a son to sit on the throne and reign forever. So you can imagine Mary sitting there, a young, a young lady who Luke tells us is engaged. She's betrothed to a man named Joseph, and she's waiting to be married, and on the way to be waiting to be married, Gabriel shows up and says, greetings, most favored one, or oh, favored one of the Lord. What do you mean, Gabriel? What do you mean I'm favored? What are you talking about? And he says, listen, you're going to have a son... And this son is going to fulfill the promises that God has made to his people. He's going to set up a kingdom and he's going to reign forever. Remember last week we talked about the fact that Jesus came to do what no one else could ever do, which is finally rule, rightly, finally sit on the throne and rule as no other man has ever been able to do. He's going to rule as no man has ever been able to do because he himself is God. Uh, And and we're in this already, I I don't mean to get too off track, but... You hear this and you say, well, where, why isn't this happening now? Why do we still live in a place where there's hurt and there's pain? Well, it's because we live in the, the already not yet. Jesus did some of this when he came the first time and he's going to do the rest when he comes back the second time. We, we even sing this in our Christmas songs. I was amazed as I was listening to the songs this morning about this longing for the Savior to return. Well, imagine how much we long for the Savior to return. Imagine how much they were longing for, longing for him to show up the first time. They've been waiting thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years for the Savior to come, and He comes, and He's going to come through this little peasant virgin sitting there, and Gabriel shows up and says, You're the one. You're the one God's going to use to bring His Son into the world. You're the one God is going to use to bring the Savior into the world. And so Mary says, That sounds really good, Gabriel. But how's that going to happen exactly? I'm a virgin. What do you mean I'm going to have a baby? I mean, it sounds good, but how exactly is this going to take place? And so Gabriel explains it. He says, the Holy Spirit's going to give you this baby. You don't worry about that. That's not your part. That's not your job. God's going to give you this baby. God's the one who's going to provide a a son for Himself. He's going to do this supernaturally. Do we understand the virgin birth? Do we understand incarnation? No. And that's okay. We don't have to. We just have to trust that God is able to make these things happen. If God... Created the entire universe out of nothing. I'm pretty sure he can create a baby, and so we we trust that God is able to do this. And so he, he says, "Listen, Mary. I understand this is hard to understand. Just so that you can have a place of peace, so that you can have some encouragement. Let me tell you about your aunt Liz. Let me tell you about Aunt Elizabeth, uh, who, or you know, your relative Elizabeth." who is six months pregnant, this lady who was past the age of giving birth to children, past the age of being able to have children, yet she's uh, six months pregnant uh, with a son herself. Mary, just in case you're wondering, it is possible. In fact, he says, nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be too hard with God. Mary, you need to understand that there is nothing beyond his power, nothing beyond his uh, control. The the one who creates life can do anything he wants to do. And so whatever you're facing, Mary, whatever your doubts are, know that God is bigger, know that God is stronger. And, And so Mary shows us what it looks like to respond to a God who can do whatever he wants to do. Verse 38, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And so Mary's response is, sounds good. You do what you need to do. You fulfill your word to me. Now, I don't don't want to race past Mary's response this morning, guys, because I want you to see the faith that this young lady has. Last week, we looked at the incarnation from Joseph's perspective. And how hard it must have been for Joseph. Here he is, he's a young man waiting to marry uh, his wife and he finds out that she's pregnant ahead of them coming together and he feels rejected, he feels all these different things going on and we think how hard that must have been on poor old Joseph. How hard must it have been on poor old Mary, right? I mean, here she is. She's this young lady waiting uh, for uh, the, the finality of becoming uh, Joseph's wife. And she finds out she's going to have a baby by a way that she cannot explain. Like, right? I mean, who's going to believe her? You think Joseph's going to believe her? Probably not. So from Mary's point of view, this is a thousand times harder than Joseph's point of view. Something about guys, I guess we always think we got a little worse than ladies, right? And so I'd typically lean towards Joseph's side of things and think, man, he had it rough. But then as I was studying Mary's, Mary's story this morning, I thought, how terrifying must have this have been for her to hear this angel say, you're going to have a child. And you're going to have to tell this man who's going to be your husband that you didn't step out on him, you didn't cheat on him, that God has given you this child? What must have went through her mind? Will he accept me? Is he going to just kick me to the curb? I mean, what, what's going to happen here? How's is he, is he going to help me with this baby? Mary's in a, in a much different space than we, anyone today in the sense that women in this culture, they couldn't just go out and get a job. There's no job to be had. And so Mary is wondering, how can I handle this? How can I take care of uh, this situation that God has put me in? She didn't ask for this. God put her in it. And her response is not, God, I can't believe you did this to me. Her response is, God, if if you brought me to this, I know you'll bring me through this. God's respon- her response to God is, God, I, I can't understand it. I don't get it. I don't... I don't understand everything about everything, but I know you'll handle it. Let it be to me according to your word. I'm your, your humble servant. I'm your I'm your humble uh, slave, basically. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. That's what I will do. Because I know that nothing's too big for you. I know nothing is beyond your power or beyond your ability to handle. Hear Mary's face this morning. With you, God, nothing's too hard. With you, God, nothing is impossible. Her response to to the the God who with nothing is impossible is simply to serve Him. I can't imagine, as you think about what you're going through this morning, and I know everybody comes in here from different situations, different walks of life, and you look at your life, you look at the week ahead of you, and you say, ain't no way I'm making it through this one. I may as well hang it up. may as well not even show up tomorrow. God says nothing is impossible with Him. Nothing is too hard with Him. He calls you to walk with Him. The one who created life itself says, put your arm in mine, let's, let's get this together. Nothing is too hard for Him. Secondly, we are not alone. Look at verse 39. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary... The angel says, your relative Elizabeth is six months with child. She's six months into the journey you're about to take. So Mary does what anybody with any sense does. She runs to Elizabeth. I think one reason, she wants to see if it's true or not. I mean, wouldn't you? Like if the angel just said, hey, you're going to have a baby as a virgin, uh, and just so that you understand that nothing is too hard for God... I want to tell you about your uh, aunt or your cousin or whoever, Elizabeth, who's going to have a baby as well. Wouldn't you want to go check it out? I would. I mean, we always pretend like Mary must have had no doubts. I imagine she had some doubts. And so she goes to see Elizabeth. And she goes, and as she goes to see Elizabeth, Elizabeth hears her come in, and it says that the, the baby jumps in her belly with joy and excitement at the fact that, that the mother of the Lord has entered into the house. Mary shows us, guys, that that we're not alone in that she seeks out help from someone who's a little further down the road than she is. She seeks out encouragement. She seeks out advice and wisdom from someone who's a bit more wise than she is. She teaches us something here about when we come to those places in our life, those spaces in our life where we say, you know what, I don't think I can make it. I don't think I am going to be able to make it through this. I, I, I mean, God has given me more than I can handle. I don't think I'm going to get through this. What does Mary do? She goes to Elizabeth for encouragement. I, I don't know how I can stress enough how important it is to have people in our lives who are a bit further down the road than we are, who have been where we've been. What better person to turn to when you're facing something you don't know how to handle than to turn to someone who's already been there, done that? and say, I can't make it through this. How did you? How in the world do you still have your sanity after everything you've been through? How in the world do you still follow the Lord and love Him and love people after everything you've been through? In Elizabeth's case, Mary would say, "Uh, how did this happen? What is going on here? And and she would be able to give glory to God and say, because of what God has done in my life, here I am. I'm six months into this pregnancy. I've experienced God's blessings. Sometimes the most encouraging thing that can happen in our lives is to see God work in somebody else's. But the only way we ever get to see that is actually spend time with each other, actually have relationships with each other, actually invest in each other's lives. It's something that it seems like we, we miss these days. It seems like we don't spend time listening to people who've come before us, people who've been down the road we're going down. It's so important that we listen. It's so important that we seek encouragement. Sometimes we're not going to get it unless we actually ask for it. And so Elizabeth, when she hears Mary come in, it, like I said before, John, John the Baptist in Elizabeth's belly jumps with joy. And, and so she's excited about this. When I read this, I can't help but think about my wife and our son, Josiah. She was not joyous when Josiah jumped inside her and kicked her in the ribs and all this. I mean, it was, it was, it was a rough nine months, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I had a hard time. but. I told her that, and she said, well, what about me? And I said, well, you don't understand. It was hard for me. We can't do this again. But, but uh, me and Tyler were bonding earlier this morning. I'm trying to pull him in the, the middle of this since I said it out loud. But anyway, I felt like I went through a lot harder time than she did. Beside the point, back to the point, Mary hears, I mean, Elizabeth hears Mary come in, and the baby in her recognizes this is the Savior. This is the coming King. Elizabeth says, what amount of honor, what have I done to deserve the honor of the mother of my child visiting me? Imagine the weirdness of this situation. You have this older woman who's old enough that she can't have children at this point, but God has given her a child. And she is honoring this young woman coming to her and saying, you are the mother of my Lord. You're the mother of my King. This is how God does stuff. He does things that in our minds don't make sense, but works out perfectly according to his plan. And so Mary, uh, Elizabeth says, listen Mary, blessed is she who believes the word that was spoken to her by the Lord. Blessed is she who believes that what God has said he will do, will do. What she saying? We got this Mary. We're going to go through this together. You just believe the Lord, you trust the Lord, and he'll handle it. She doesn't sugarcoat it. She doesn't say it won't be hard. She doesn't say, don't worry, you know, nobody will talk. Don't worry, it's not going to be difficult. It's not as bad as you think it is. She doesn't say any of that. She says you are blessed, you are happy if you trust what God has told you. What's she doing? She's encouraging her in her faith. She's saying we have this as long as we keep our eyes on Him. As long as we trust His power, we have this. God has this. Guys, it's so important that as we see the people around us struggling, that we speak into their lives and say, Listen, I know it's hard. I know you can't see how it's going to work out. Just know that God has you. I've been where you are, and let me tell you how I got through it. Let me pray with you. Go to someone who's struggling. Go to someone who's stuck in sin. And and, and rather than going to them with uh, condemnation, go to them with compassion and the Gospel and say, listen. Trust the Lord. Trust that He is able to change you. Trust the Lord that He is able to set you free and forgive you even again. Preach the gospel to each other. That's what Elizabeth's doing to Mary here. She's preaching the gospel. She's preaching the good news that God fulfills His Word. Guys, we have God's promise that He will restore us, that He will make us new. Go to each other and say, Listen, you're better than this. Christ has made you better than this. Don't wallow around anymore. Go to someone who's afraid and say, listen, I understand where you're coming from. Let me tell you what God has done in my life. Or maybe go and just be there with someone who's hurting. Let them know that you care. Let them know that they're not alone. Guys, God does not call us to Christ. He does not call us to follow Him by ourselves. Mary shows us this. From the very time that she hears she's going to give birth to the Savior, she is deeply engaged in community with others who are, who are trying to follow the Lord themselves. This is who God has made us to be. We cannot follow Him apart from that. And so the first reminder is that nothing's too hard with God. Second reminder is that we're not alone. Thirdly, we are loved. Listen to Mary's song. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Mary's song, guys, and we just, I would love just to spend a week looking at this, but I want us to get down to the simple but so deep message, which is basically this. God loves his people and he wants to use them no matter what background they're from, no matter, basically what, what Mary's getting at here is that God is the one who gives us our worth. God is the one who decides how much we're worth and he tells us how much we're worth by what he sends to set us free, what he sends to save us, his Son. Mary's response to God is what our response to God should be. First, we we see this in the way that she responds. Uh, Verse 46 says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Now, if you're Mary, our response may be, God, why me? Why, Why are you putting me through all of this? I didn't ask for any of this. But she does not see God's call on her life as a burden, she sees it as a blessing. Now, I'm as guilty as anyone, I'm sure, of forgetting that God's call on my life is not a burden, it's a blessing. God has not given me what He's given me for me. He's given, what he's, given, he's given me what He's given me for Him, for His glory, to share with His people. The Creator of the universe actually allows me to share in His work in this world. How does it get any better than that? How would I dare look at that as a burden And so that's what Mary's response is. Her response is not, Lord, I can't believe you would do this to me. Her response is, I can't believe you would give me this honor. I can't believe you would give me the privilege of working alongside the one who made all things for His glory. When's the last time, guys, you looked at serving the Lord as a blessing and not a burden? When's the last time you looked at serving Him as an honor, a privilege, not as something you had to do? Mary makes it clear here that God's value system is totally different than our value system. He says he, she says he has exalted those who are low. He has exalted the humble. He has exalted the poor. He has filled the empty. And those who are full and those who are rich and those who are strong, he has basically cast aside and sent them away empty. What's her point? Her point is, is that God does not look at us the way that we look at us. God does not look at us the way that we see ourselves. God does not look at us the way that the world looks at us. He does not value us in the same way that the world values us. The way the world values us is this. Well, if you got money and if you got power and you got, um, you got know, people who report to you at work, well, then you're worth something. You have value. You add status or whatever. God looks at the, the least of these and says, I love you. I love you enough that my own son would die for you. I love you enough and that I want to use you as part of my kingdom, as part of my plan to save the world. Not based on what the world around us thinks, but based on his own love for us. Was there something in Mary that she had that others don't know? God loves her because he loves her. God doesn't love you based on the size of your bank account. He doesn't love you based on how important your job is. He loves you because he loves you. There's nothing you can do to earn it. He simply offers it freely. He loves you so much, guys. He wants to be inter- He is interested in the smallest details of your life. Jesus tells us that He knows every hair of our head, however many or however few. He knows them all. Because He loves us. Not because we've earned it. Not because we're prettier than others or because we're more successful than others, but simply because He loves us. That this past Friday I was thinking about this this all week and past Friday we went to McDonald's I'd I'd like to say you know well you know Fridays are our day to go McDonald's but the truth is we're not very consistent on anything we do in our house we kind of play it by ear day by day that's just how we roll but but uh um and there's nothing wrong with that right don't judge us if you have a schedule that's fine but our schedule is we don't have a schedule well so Friday, we go to McDonald's for breakfast, and I'm sitting there with the kids, and we're eating, and Crystal leaves to go to work, uh, or she claims, I don't know, maybe she did, I, I'm not sure, but I think she just wanted to leave me with the babies. But, but So I, I'm sitting there with the kids, and we're eating, we're finishing up eating, and, and I'm trying to get Josiah to finish his biscuit, he's not really wanting to eat it, and I'm like, boy, you got to eat your biscuit, you know, and, and as I'm doing that, Zoe, she comes over, and she's like, Dad, and she looks at the receipt, she goes, Dad, you paid... for breakfast? And she's talking about the big number at the top, you know, the number they give you for when you'll get called or whatever. And she's joking. And she goes, no, here's the real number, ha-ha. And I don't know if y'all know this or not, but I have a tendency to say sarcastic things that I think are funny that other people don't always find funny. Uh, You know, I call it joking. Crystal calls it torture, whatever. But, but, uh, But Zoe says this. She says, look, this is how much it is. And I said, man you kids are kind of expensive. I'm going to have to trade y'all in on some cheaper kids. And they go, oh. And I was like, oh, now, come on. You know, it'll be fine. I'm sure you end up with a, a good dad out there, whatever. And, and y'all are judging me. This is a safe spot. But, but anyway, I was like, this is hilarious. And I look over, and my little boy... He's just got tears welling up in his eyes and his lips like hanging down past his chin. He's like, and like he's holding it back. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what have I done? And so I slide over and I put my arm around him, like Josiah. I was kidding. And Zoe, who is professional mourner crier, like she gets up and she comes around the table. And by the time she gets up there, Josiah's trying to hold the tears back, right? Zoe's like drenched and crying just in two seconds. And so I'm hanging on to him, and I'm starting to tear up a little bit right there in the back corner of McDonald's, you know, for everybody to see. And No, it wasn't the biscuit, I promise. It wasn't that bad. But, uh, but uh, anyway, and so I'm over there, I'm tearing up, and, and I'm like, God, you don't understand. I love you so much. I, you know, I love you more than anything. They're like, more than Mama. I was like, well, yeah. we'll talk about that later. But, <laughs> but uh, and as I'm sitting there thinking about God's love for us, I was like, God loves me like a thousand more times than I love my own kids. And imagine how much more than he loves his own son than I love my kids. And what was he willing? Because, I, I mean, the truth be told, guys, I, I mean, my kids are pretty cheap. They're dollar menu kids, thankfully. But, uh, but you know, we train them right in my house. But, uh, but they, uh, no matter what they cost me, I'm going to pay it. Because they're my kids. They're my babies. We're going to do whatever it takes to raise them. We're going to do whatever it takes to take care of them. And, and as I thought about that, I thought, it doesn't, it doesn't matter the cost. I don't think about the cost. And then I thought, here God is. He's giving Mary, his son, to raise. Not to stay a baby, but to grow up. And not just to grow up, but to live a perfect life. And not just live a perfect life, but at the end of that perfect life, to die for what I've done. And, And so, when you think about Christmas in those terms, When you think about what it's going to cost the Father for Jesus to be the eternal king of the universe, for Jesus to bring us back to himself, for Jesus to pay our penalty, to pay our sins, you start talking about God's love for you, man, it doesn't even get close to anything we can talk about. I can sit there and I can sort of tear up, tears didn't actually come out, but I, I was teared up and I can sit there and I can think about how much I love my kids all day long, but it doesn't even begin to compare to the love that God has for me. I, like, I can stand up here this morning and it almost sounds like a boastful claim to say God loves me, but guess what he does? In spite of me, in spite of just how terrible of a person I am, I make my own kids cry in the middle of McDonald's. He loves me not because I've earned it or because I deserve it, but because he loves me, because Christ came and died in my place and paid my penalty that I should have paid. God looks at us who were enemies, who were rebels against him, spitting in his face, and he invites us into his family, invites us to his table, his own enemies. He invites us to be his friends. He invites us to join in heaven song as we glorify christ guys christmas reminds us that we are loved you are loved this morning you're loved more than you could ever imagine it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what everybody around you tells you it doesn't matter how everybody else looks at you it doesn't matter how little they value you the king of the universe knows every single hair on your head He knows so much about you. He knows everything you've ever done. He knows everything you will ever do. And yet he sends this scared young girl, his own son, to raise so that he could live and so that he could die in your place so that you could have a relationship with him. Not because you deserve it. Not because you earned it. But simply because he loves you. And so in the middle of all the how the Grinch stole Christmas and all these different stories we hear and all the different things the world around us tries to tell us, do not forget this year that God loves you. He loves you enough. He, he proves that He loves you this morning. He proves that He loves you by His Holy Spirit coming even now to convict your heart and show you all the places where you're not trusting Him. All the places where you're like, God, I don't know if you're powerful enough to handle this. This might be too hard even for you. He loves you enough to send His Holy Spirit to you this morning and show you all the places where He has shown you His love, where He has shown you who He is. He He loves you enough to bring you into a place like this where there are people everywhere to remind you you're not alone. You're not walking through this crazy, messed up, sideways, upside down world by yourself. You have people who pray for you. You have people who care for you. He loves you that much. That he would send his only son to die in your place. That if you simply believe in him, you wouldn't die but live with him forever. I wonder this morning if, you can, if you've never trusted on him, if you can get up and walk away from that love. If you can get up and say, God, you don't love me enough for, to save me. Yeah, he does. I guarantee you, if I give my kid up for you, that's about as much love as I can show. Paul said, it, how can he who gave his only son for us show us any more love than that? There's nothing left for him to give. Have you put your faith in him this morning? Have you said, Lord, I need you to save me. I need you to forgive me. If if you haven't, would you do that as we sing? If you have and you've forgotten how much he loves you and how much he cares for you, would you ask him, Lord, remind me? if you're not encouraging the people around you, would you encourage them? If you need encouragement, go to the people in this place and say, I need your help. I need you to walk with me through this. It's more than I can handle. Because more than anything, don't walk out of here today and say, God doesn't love me because he does. If there's one thing you should be reminded of this Christmas, say he loves you enough to send Jesus in your place. Would you trust him to save you today? If you would stand with us. And as you stand, we're going to sing... And the purpose of this time of singing is to give us a chance to respond to the Lord uh, in whatever way He's speaking into our lives and into our hearts. Please come and pray. Pray down front here uh, with the Lord. Pray that He would work in your life. Pray that He'd work in the lives of the people around you. Pray that He would change your life this morning. Uh, If you need to come and talk to me about giving your life to the Lord, giving your heart to the Lord, you come and do that as we sing. Whatever God is calling you to do, you come uh, as we sing. So.